The winner takes it all The loser standing small Welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. Well, it's official, Ulster are back, or at least they're progressing to the next stage of the Champions Cup. I think we're definitely right to celebrate, however, as we haven't had much to be happy about in a while. There wasn't a huge amount of optimism for this winner-takes-it-all pool match, having won just one in our last seven matches. Feelings of relief were palpable at Ravenhill on Saturday. Ulster were improved, but not perfect. We're certainly now moving in the right direction, but whether this squad can get back to playing to its full potential remains to be seen. Indeed, to progress any further in either competition, we'll have to punch above our weight significantly. The Ulster squad and Dan seem to be relishing the challenge. Today's panel have the challenge of explaining Ulster's maddening inconsistency and reflecting on a game which will have mixed emotions for our guests. Starting with Nathan, he'll be concerned at the torrent of abuse he'll receive having predicted an Ulster loss on last week's pod. Paul will undoubtedly be relieved like every other Ulster fan, but we have something to celebrate and a renewed sense of optimism. And Ben is joining us uh, from Sale. It will speak to him in a moment to get his thoughts on the action at the weekend. So I'd like to start by turning to Nathan as usual. Nathan, could you reflect a wee bit on what you made of that game? Give us a summary uh, in terms of the highlights, a few of the key moments and your overall impressions of Ulster's win on Saturday. Yeah, it was intense, wasn't it? I think it was probably, first of all, just watching off TV. I was I was at the Leinster game earlier on in the day and watching the Kingspan on TV, even th- the, the difference between the two crowds and atmosphere was quite noticeable. I think, you know, it's, it's much higher level of jeopardy up at the Kingspan given the, 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 the last chance saloon both sides were in. And you could really tell through the TV it was a very big difference to... Uh, to the more genteel crowd down in Dublin, um, for sure. And, and like I said, that's off the TV. And so straight away, you're watching it, you know it's 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 going to be a cracking uh, spectacle to watch uh, as, as a neutral. Um, you know, really brutally physical first half. Both sides kind of struggling a bit in attack. Lots of errors in contact. So both defences really physical. You know, both defences kind of responded to the to the atmosphere, didn't they? And and and. Ulster in particular had that level of physicality that we haven't seen um, in the con- in the collision uh, probably since that first half of that fateful Leinster game. Um, to be honest, um, and yeah, they just they just looked sharper. Uh, it was even with the errors, they probably had a little bit uh, better of the attacking exchanges. The Rob Little try in the first half, obviously, uh, started off. It's a great offload off the floor from Timoney. Hits Larry on a hard angle, which just gets the go forward as Ulster were struggling for go forward a little bit. Um, and then eventually they, they fling it wide under advantage, don't they? And and little gets in the corner. It was I think that was while Bevan Rod was in the bin, wasn't it? So I think there were, if, you know there was going to be a little bit of extra space on the wide channel. Um, the, and the game changed really for Ulster for the better when uh, Nathan Doak went to the bin, didn't it? Because I know Ben Curry did score pretty shortly after that. It was a really nicely worked little uh, little exchange of passes down the blind side off a mall. And and maybe a word about Ben Curry's celebration. He, <laughs> He must be getting some stick off the fans because the way he was celebrating, I'm sure he was uh, he enjoyed that one quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. It reminded me of um, uh, sort of a football celebration going up the away fans and give, giving it a lot, which I appreciated. It was it was, it was brilliant because the, the reverse camera angle showed there's about two or three, I'm presuming Ulster fans, two or three women with, with with their pints, and they were just looking at him with their mouths like open, shocked. They, just, they couldn't be, couldn't believe that he was giving them the big one. <laughs> um, Love it. But that, that 
that galvanized Ulster, didn't it? Because they take off Harry Sheridan, they bring on Cooney. I mean, that's tell. T- I mean, Peter, you had the stat a few weeks ago, didn't you? That Ulster play sixty percent of their ball ten meters from the ruck, so nine yeah. is crucial. I don't think any other team replaces their nine when he's on a yellow card. They replace their front row. They don't replace their nine. Like if that happens to Leinster, Ringrose goes at nine or Van der Freer goes at nine. Um, so it shows the importance of Ulster's nine. Cooney comes on, changes the game. Vermeulen starts putting in some big carries. He got rewarded like that huge one off the off the goal 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 line drop. Sales defense in that phase was was incredible. Two or three uh, holding holds held up over the line, but Vermeulen puts in that massive carry, energizes everybody. He eventually gets over for his score, doesn't he? And, and Ulster's mall was back. Um, Rob Herring got on the end of a mall score, but in general, it was making much more ground than it has done in previous weeks and you know when John Cooney's strutting the stuff when you're getting a few big carries off Remuel and an Ulster's mall is going forward that's when Ulster are at their best and that's pretty much what happened isn't it yeah yeah no it was uh, it was good to see Vermeulen come into the game as you say Cooney changed everything as well and it will talk a wee bit more about individual performances in a moment but I want to sort of look more generally at it and uh, I want to turn to Paul and from an Ulster fan's perspective Having lost, what, six of the last seven games, how encouraging was that win? Uh, very encouraging, particularly after the much of the first quarter. Seal looked really focused, really tuned in, took on Ulster, ran at Ulster. Um, Ulster just seemed, couldn't live with her physicality early on, and it was difficult to see what uh, what Ulster could do to get back into the game. But they dug in, held, which just think held them to a penalty, was it, in the first half? Um Soaked up the pressure, and then Stuart McCluskey made a break on the I think it was the fifteenth minute, and that was when also really started the play. Uh, there was no panic. We seen there a few weeks ago against Benetton. They had a decent start, but once Benetton brought a bit of uh, chaos to the breakdown, also were in disarray, um, and ultimately lost that game. But you can see on Saturday, and even even last week on La Rochelle, there were spells of the game. There were some improvements along the line. Um, but yeah, it was good to see uh, that they didn't like go into panic mode again against Seal because, like we all know, what Seal could have done, and they dug out the one. And at the end, yeah, it was a fairly deserved one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, uh, we want to get another perspective on that. Of course, uh, we're gonna, as Ulster fans, we'll talk about it being a deserved win. But Ben, welcome to the podcast. And uh, you're from uh, Manchester or that area, uh, and you're a Seal fan. So, from a Seal perspective, how did you feel after that game? Did you feel, I suppose, that Seal could have come away with a, a win on a on another day? Was it a wee bit unlucky? Do you think? Uh, I definitely thought I've seen some Seal fans on social media quite doom and gloom about it, but I thought it was far from one of our worst performances of the season. I thought we, we dominated the first 20 minutes defensively, intensity-wise. I think arguably we deserved to be ahead at half-time. But then first 20 minutes after the second half, we lost all the intensity. The defence, we lost all its structure. The attack, we had no threat. I didn't think we'd score throughout the whole second half. And from about an hour in, 20 minutes to go, I thought we were going to lose. Um, honestly, when we, when we first got the draw and we got Ulster in Toulouse, I thought like, our attitude should be just focus on the league and just forget about Europe because there's no way we'll get two or three wins from, from that draw. But then after the the win at home against Ulster, I thought we might be able to, how we go in the league as well, we might be able to nick a, a win at home to lose or away to you guys. But it wasn't one of our worst performances in the season. I definitely thought if we carried on how we're going in the first half, we could have nicked a win. But 
definitely Ulster deserve to win. Yeah, no, I, I think in terms of its redemption for Ulster, and like I suppose after that 39 0 defeat at the AJ Bell, that you must have fancied your chances. And indeed, Ulster fans were not optimistic about this game. And you're very humbled, you know, as a, a sale fan saying we, we might nick a win. I would say there'd be a lot of people there. Uh, given Ulster's recent run of form, licking their lips, going, "This could be, this could be a very good, uh, very good chance to progress." But look, it, it obviously went Ulster's way. Um, and I said, when you look at the two teams on paper, Sale, we, we were looking at the teams last week, and Nathan in particular was uh, very taken with the Sale team <laughs> to the extent that he predicted a, an Ulster loss, as did many other people. But look, I want to turn to you, Nathan. What do you think this? Uh, this this win means for Ulster's trajectory. Does it paper over cracks given the run of poor form, or has that performance convinced you that Ulster have genuinely turned a corner now? You're going to keep holding that over me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mention it every, every few seconds. If that's okay. Oh uh, yeah. Well, for the record, when when Bevan was doing his stuff in the first half, I thought, oh Jesus, here we go. If they they can't deal with him. They're going to struggle. But they obviously they they fixed that. Well, it helped that he got binned, I guess, from an Ulster point of view. But yeah, to answer your question, um, I think I I don't think we learned anything new about Ulster. I think when they get that extra edge and they they do just enough to compete on the physicality stakes, they get their set piece small going. Um, and, you know, they dominate possession a little bit and, and the kicking game is decent. You know, they're a tricky side to play against and, and, and you know, they will be up there in terms of the top of the top of the second tier of, of European uh, competition. Um, you know, they weren't really challenged defensively apart from fronting up, were they? Uh, Sale didn't really use Manu much in midfield. They didn't use him as a decoy. They didn't try and go through and front door and then open up space behind them for their for their threats like O'Flaherty out wide, which is what we were worried about. It's what Benetton did a lot of a few weeks ago and, and it cost Ulster dear. Um, Sale didn't threaten them on transition attack, which is where Ulster struggled a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, when they had those big back row ball carrying threats, you know, the, 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 the Dupreas especially, when they were coming hard down channels, Ulster for the most part fronted up, um, which is a positive because that's something that at times they've been, they've been lacking. So it... It showed that when they get things right, they they have enough to challenge teams. And you know, Sale Ulster will Sale would, at the beginning of the season Ulster would have looked at that as a side that they are better than and they should be better than. Um, recent form would suggest otherwise. Uh, so I think it's it's brought them back up at least for now to where we thought they were six weeks ago. Um, I still still think against a side that doesn't give them clean line out ball against a side that just can challenge them both physically and in terms of getting to an edge, which not a lot of teams can do, but the top teams can, you know, they're still, they still haven't been tested there. They weren't tested against that with, with La Rochelle because of the rain, it didn't allow for that type of attacking game. And to be fair, they shut down uh, sale at source in that second half and dominated possession and didn't let them test them. Um, but I think, you know, it papered over cracks in terms of they can front up when they need to, and they can get that set piece more going, which is obviously crucial to their attack. Yeah, no, absolutely. The the mall has been one of our biggest weapons this season. It's crucial that that continues to to function, and uh, uh, I suppose that we find alternative means of scoring as well, because that became a bit of a a one trick pony 
And I'd, I'd like to say, see Ulster play a wee bit more expansively as well. We saw as watching the uh, Munster game at the weekend and some of the rugby they played was unbelievable. Do you know, the tag burn tried. I'm not sure if you guys saw that, but... Ridiculous. Uh, uh, it was one of the best. It, it's sort of, I don't know if it's gone under the radar or not, but unbelievable try. Um, it's, it's not gone under the radar down here, trust no. me. <laughs> <laughs> We're just too focused in Ulster on uh, on our recent success, never mind anyone else. Um, and on that note, Ben, I'm interested to hear where, I suppose, I in particular and Paul, I know Nathan's technically neutral, a, a sort of a, uh, he's, he's come onto this podcast to give us some uh, neutrality, but I'm interested to hear what the perception of Ulster is from a Sale fan because you're, I suppose, outside of the Ulster rugby bubble. We sort of talk our team up and then talk them down too much at times. But what do you think about Ulster in terms of it being a difficult place to come to? How much how much of a threat do you think Ulster were before coming? And where do you think Ulster rank in terms of the other Irish provinces? And you don't have to, <laughs> just because of the audience you're talking to, you don't have to give us the correct answer. Uh, no, 100%. As I say, when we got you in the draw, I was really worried, like almost to the same extent as the seeing Toulouse, because I know it's a hard place to go away to. Um, I've been to Kingspan once ages ago. It was um, a game against Cardiff Blues back when Charles Pietau was, was running around. It was The atmosphere was crazy from, from someone who, who goes to the AJ Bell most weeks, where you get five six thousand average attendance the atmosphere was amazing and through my tv screen i don't know if any of you were there but it looked like the atmosphere was was really good last saturday and probably had something to do with the result uh and also i don't know if any of you came to manchester but even when we won so big in, in the return fixture the ulster fans could definitely hear them i'd say from my perception at least i've always thought of Maybe because I'm younger as well, but I've always thought as Ulster as the second best Irish team. Over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and honestly, I thought when we drew you, I thought we'd be lucky to, to nick a win at home. And I didn't think we had a chance going go to Belfast and get a win. Obviously, uh, how it went with uh, the league form, guys have struggled a little bit in the URC and we've done well in the Prem. I thought maybe we have a chance, but at least before the season, that was my perception. But then, obviously, you look at who's qualified for um, for knockout stages, for league and tournament-wise. All of the URC teams qualified for the Champions Cup and <laughs> nearly all of the Prem teams went out. So maybe there's a bit of a shift, at least this season, that there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, it's uh, it's good to hear that Ulster are officially now the second best uh, province in Ireland because you're you're not biased, and and we'll take your take your word as gospel. Um, so thank you for that, and you you definitely do know your audience. Um, but look, it'll be a clash of the titans then in the next round with the the first and second best teams uh, in in Ireland facing off against each other in the in the round of sixteen. But Paul, I want to. Uh, turn to you. I was going to ask what the atmosphere was like because it's one of the very few games I missed. Uh, I wasn't able to go to it, and, and it turns out neither were you. But <laughs> in terms of the atmosphere at the Kingspan, we very much picked up on it as being uh, as as being a lot better than it, than it has been. Have you any comments about that? Because we've talked before about maybe the atmosphere at the Kingspan mm-hmm. not being what we remember as people who have been yeah. going there for what, years. What it should be exactly. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I thought eventually when the crowd the crowd did find their voice, it 
it was like a throwback to the good old days. Uh, and the players just fed off that energy. But it did, it did take him a while to get going. Like Again, it was disappointing, not a sellout, which you would have thought for a do-or-die European tie, that would, would have been the case. But wee moments in the game, and then the crowd started to, started to find their voice. And each moment, they started to build on that. Like the, Michael Lurie put a tackle in, on O'Flaherty in six early minutes, or six minutes. Stuart McCluskey's first the big carry, and they doke snipe, and then once the crowd fed off that, made a noise, created more energy, and then that transferred back to the players. And you can see there in that last quarter when also well on top, um, oh, the atmosphere was just fantastic. The place never it didn't stop until the end of the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hope, well, that's that's good. So well, hopefully we can keep that up. But yeah, it, it was like a like a throwback to the good old days of Asenio, and uh, yeah, it was it was. Bouncing, as they say, on Saturday night. Well, that was it. I mean, all of the players, I listened to the interviews after the game and they interviewed all the guys and all of them mentioned the energy that they got from the crowd, which uh, is encouraging. But I, I love that to be a more regular thing. And Ulster can't take their their live fans for granted. I think there's mm-hmm. maybe a wee sense of that, that sneaking in where it's become very corporate commercial. There's boxes now and they're all up the prawn sandwich brigade <laughs> are up enjoying the game yeah. uh, from yeah, behind and, a glass screen. Yeah, and Nathan uh, touched on it earlier on, you know, that we uh, instant when Ben Curry scored and he's gone up to the crowd. Yeah. You know, and that gets the crowd going too. You know, that, that turns on turns on the opposition and it gets an hour. Yeah. It's an yeah. hour roar for the home team. That's what it was. I actually thought it was great. It was comical. Just like uh, yeah. Billy Vanapolo coming off there against uh, Edinburgh. Sunday night. Yes. Saracens, he's banging the, the, the Saracens crest. Oh, there's no real miles in any of that. You know, it's just all, it's all good crack, isn't it? Oh, it's all, it's all theatrics and it's great. Oh, yeah. I, I love to see it and it shows a bit of passion and um, yeah. I, I I love even, it was James Hume scored that unbelievable try and he does his wee <laughs> celebration. I, I don't know, I love that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Nathan, sorry, I want to turn to you. 100%. There's room for it, isn't there? Just don't, I don't know, the last time I saw that was uh, in the football a few weeks ago when the Tottenham fan came down and kicked the Arsenal goalkeeper. So maybe Ben Curry, was lucky nobody came down from the Kings fan for bleachers to try and kick him in the head. No, no, 100%. I agree. I agree. There's a room for us and there's also room for the fans to shout back at him when he gives out the big one. It's, it's really interesting in terms of the point on the crowd. I think that's a problem across Irish rugby. Um, it's been a problem at Leinster for a long time now. And I think that's just because they play too many games. I touched on earlier that there's no jeopardy and uh, they play too many uncompetitive URC fixtures. Even when I was down in Toman, down for the uh, uh, Monster Leinster on the day of the twenty sixth, like even that's a massive interpro, and that was that was dead. The Six Nations crowd in in Dublin has been has been dead for a long time, and I think that definitely is is the corporate issue because the tickets are so expensive. People who can afford a day out go rather than actual fans. I I think that's the solution there. Provincially, it shouldn't be like that. It, it, provincially, it should be more diehards because purely because it's a smaller smaller fan base in the national team so I've, I've no idea why it's becoming such an issue across across the provinces but it's certainly certainly a concern it shouldn't take a knockout game basically on a late night on a saturday night when people have been in the bar all day for there yeah. to be a decent atmosphere yeah. you know it should it should be much easier than that um i don't know i don't know if it's a case yeah. of lower the ticket prices so you get more diehards in if it's as simple as that i've no idea but it's it's a problem across irish rugby 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And, and look, it is, it's more widespread than it'll stir, but that needs to be addressed immediately. Rugby's a pretty, uh, we're all sort of immersed as rugby fans. You're, you sort of get immersed in rugby and think everyone's interested. There's quite a lot of people I speak to, they couldn't let care less, you know, how Ulster have done at the weekend. And um, it, it remains a, a pretty niche sport for many. So we need to uh, think more widely in terms of uh, making the, the game and the experience, the night out experience, more attractive to people. Um, I suppose that's not not our jobs, but certainly a good subject for discussion. But um, a lot of people said to me, look, it was the SEAL fans actually, uh, as we you both alluded to, the SEAL fans and players that got the Ulster fans going. And it shouldn't take, although that's often the way it works, it shouldn't take that. It should be Ulster fans sort of self-starting. But I suppose it's a combination of of maybe lack of results and, and a lack of enthusiasm at the minute. Um, uh, from Ulster, but there is that corporate issue as well. So interesting and a debate which could could go on. But I, I want to talk a wee bit more specifically about some players now. And uh, Ben, from a sale perspective, who are the players who really stood out? Do you? I mean, from either side. So any sale guys that you're happy or unhappy with, or maybe any guys from Ulster that you're particularly impressed with as well. Yeah, I think Paul touched on it a little bit earlier. I thought the centres decided the game, in my opinion. Um, Tuolangi was largely ineffective and I thought McCoskey and, and Hume were excellent I, I, I feel like Hume's fallen out of favour a little bit in terms of Ireland selection and, and the hype behind him but I thought Hume was one of the best players on the pitch uh, on Saturday I thought it was a weird one for Johnny Hill because he was probably our, our best forward for the whole game in terms of what he did around the pitch but then his discipline four or five penalties off my memory probably decided the game in the end Apart from that, I thought Cooney had a massive impact off the bench, obviously. I don't really know how you guys rate um, Doak versus Cooney as a, as, a, as a battle, but I think Cooney's miles ahead of uh, right now. Yeah, I think that's a debate which which has been going on. And I think for a long time, um, Duke, Duke's come through and he's been phenomenal for Ulster. Uh, now, more recently, uh He's maybe been a wee bit more ponderous um, at the back of rocks. Um, He's been told, obviously, to box kick a lot, as is Cooney. Ulster, historically and recently, have always sort of controlled the game through the nine. And that's why it's so significant that um, that Cooney came on. And also so significant that Cooney stays with us. There's news that he uh, has expressed an interest in playing for Scotland. Indeed, it looks extremely likely that's going to happen now. And so can we keep him as a NIQ player at Ulster? And the fact that he's not been given more Ireland recognition is is a, a subject which people are pretty sore about in Ulster circles. Um, but uh, and, and you, you raise the, the point, Hume was very good. Now, Hume's been off the boil a wee bit, and I think uh, it's good to see him getting getting back to his more dynamic self. Because Hume, I, I would have rated Hume as sort of next in line to be the... the after I suppose I mean there's no shortage of good Irish centres, but um, Jamie Osborne has now leapfrogged him and, and uh, has been picked for Ireland, and rightfully so because you have to pick the guys who are playing well. But um, no, it's uh, in in terms of the the team that McFarland picked, and we talked about this last week. It was a slightly strange thing to do. Has McFarland though uh, stumbled across the solution by stacking the bench with quality? to save us in the later stages, which we have struggled in. What do you think, Nathan? 
I think in a game like that, it works where you, you can you can get parity and, and and even if Sale certainly probably the better side after the twenty minutes in, you can as long as you can keep parity and and the kind of push on from the end. But uh, I mean, Bar Cooney Cooney had a massive impact. Obviously, uh, Jordy Murphy had one or two impactful moments, but he's not normally an impact sub. So in terms of the the, the Murphy thing, yeah, he probably stumbled across that a little bit. Kind of the forgotten man, wasn't he? He got that big latch onto Vermeulen to drive him over the line. Um, elsewhere, but there wasn't massive impacts. I know Herring got his score off the back of the mall, but they were just kind of more continuing the the good work that was being done up front and in the set piece, weren't they? Um, I, I think in the later stages of the season against better sides, I don't think that's a tactic you can use, is it? Because I think against slightly better sides, um, if 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 Cooney is having that much more of an impact on the game than Doak, I, I don't think you can wait until the last. Uh, the last half an hour for that um, personally but there's a balance isn't there you, you do need that impact coming off the bench and where you get it from and I'm all for someone like Tom O'Toole coming off as, as he kind of comes back into the side and, and seeing what he can do around the park and, and Herring as well but um, I, I don't think he's going to bench Cooney in a big uh, European game anytime soon that's for sure A lot of people who play or used to play rugby listen to this podcast if you're struggling with an injury lack of mobility or some form of pain that you've just got used to living with then you need to get it sorted. Back to Better Physiotherapy is a physio practice I highly recommend. The practice owner, John Quigg, is extremely experienced. He's worked with professional sports teams such as Ulster Rugby and Middlesbrough Football Club. Back to Better provide physiotherapy, massage treatment, personal training and rehab. They also have an ice bath and sauna in-house, which are fantastic for recovery and health. They're located at the Building Box Gym in East Belfast. Book using Instagram at Back to Better Physiotherapy or type their number in your phone now. 075 That's 075 Get in touch with them and get your aches and pains sorted. William Carlyle Coaching, helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Program. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. Yeah, no, it's an interesting and somewhat risky tactic because uh, it works. It works if you're somewhat in control, but if you end up and, and you're behind, um, then you're fighting against a losing battle when these guys come on. Whereas they're great to sail out a game, start carrying against tired legs, punching holes in the defense, probing the defense. Do you know? Um, I think it's uh, it was good to see some guys return to form. I thought um, some of those guys who came on were were good. Was, as you say, the entire front row. Um, t- Jeff Tamaga Allen, I thought, was very good. Uh, who started the game? But uh, Paul, I don't want to steal any of your points. I want to I want to go to you now to ask ask. Sorry, is there anyone in the last couple of weeks who's really put their hand up and nailed down a jersey? Yeah, I thought you were just going to copy me notes here, <laughs> like Jeff. You know. Where have you been last six months, big man? Last couple of weeks, he's, he was it 80 minutes against Benetton. Yeah. 
Yeah, and another couple of bikes. Just yeah, he's been a revelation. Thankfully, um, Jacob on Saturday night looked like a looked like someone reborn. He was fantastic. Seal peppered him with high balls, and he came up and don't think he dropped any. And he had a few good carries. He seemed to be maybe that Ireland call up that was maybe just the the arm around the shoulder he needed. Uh, Tom O'Toole I thought was very impressive when he came on, carried well, carried hard. He's just hasn't been hitting the heights that we know he can of late, but uh, Saturday night seemed to be a, a return to form. Um, and it was good to see a young fella get a chance like Harry Sheridan and the experience he's gained the last two weeks is no doubt going to serve him well before the end of the season. Um, Ian Madigan, I don't know what the guy has to do to get a, a run on the team. I thought he was very impressive against La Rochelle, but uh, I don't think he got on at all. I don't think he got any game time on Saturday night. No, no, it's a, it's a weird it's, one. It's a strange one, isn't it? Even last year too, because you go to any other province and they're all talking to you about Madigan, why he's not playing, and we just don't know, because he controls the game well, he likes to get the back line going. It's a strange one, but uh, just on the bench for Saturday night past, I wonder if that's just a reaction to the way Ulster have finished games the last number of weeks. Maybe Dan just thought, get a bit more experience coming off the bench down the home strip that's going to see us through, so... That's possibly one way of doing it because it was a it was a pretty pretty um, stacked bench from yeah. us, uh, you know, from an Ulster point of view, which we don't often get. Yeah, the bomb squad coming off the bench is good to uh, see, and uh, we never really had one of those before. So, no. uh, yeah, it's good. And we're, we're without, you know, we're a wee bit lacking in players at the minute. Hendy was was injured uh, mm-hmm. for that game. Marty Moore is injured as well. Two of our most important players, in my view. Yeah. Um, and you say Maligan, slightly strange because. I mean, what are you asking him to do? He came in, played pretty well, and I generally think if you bring someone in to do well, you can't drop them until mm-hmm. they've done something to to warrant that. They're sure uh, to lose. Exactly. And the other guy uh, I always think is very underrated is Rob Little. Rob um, Little, yeah. Yeah, I thought he, he's a great finisher and really trust Rob Little. Do you know if he's given a chance... He'll make the most of it, and he can find space. He's small, but excellent, excellent footwork, and uh, very reliable. Won't shirk a tackle in defence either. Do you know, it is just I suppose it maybe his his size is an issue, but um, no, I thought thought he's very good as well. Um, as you, you said his name, Harry Sheridan. Great to see guys like that getting a chance. I'd like to see more of uh, Dave McCann. The other person, well, there, there's a couple of sort of mystery absences. Um, Marcus Ray, love to see more of him. Not not at the expense of Sheridan, but like he should be on the bench. Uh, he's there thereabouts. He can play across the back row, uh, but he's been mysteriously absent for a number of a number of weeks now. So that um, <laughs> uh, I think he's um, been playing for Ball in the Hanks. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not absolutely. He's not. We'll not send out a search party. We know where he is. <laughs> just <laughs> just just not just not in the Ulster squad. Um, uh, yeah, so it's a bit of a weird one, that. I wonder if he was the, the sacrificial lamb for the bad run, maybe. He, yeah. Maybe the manager thought they were going to change something here, shake it up somewhere. And That's an odd one. It's an odd person. Marcus, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's he's for whatever reason not not in the reckoning. But look, I have to say those guys uh, who did get picked in certainly increased their stock. Um, Sam Carter as well. I'm not just going to name every player here, but I thought he he's pretty good. Um, he comes in for some yeah. criticism, but his thought... his still at the start of the second half when also under the cosh, um, that that's a big big game changing moment. I don't know. I've never seen him read a play like that or make a style like that in all his time he's been here, but it was. 
probably the winner of the game. Yeah, just went yeah. on the line. Yeah, I don't know where he came out of. He just and picked up the ball and it was a yeah. great turnover. Playing for another contract, maybe. We'll wait and see. <laughs> uh, Dave, Dave Ewer's coming in as well uh, in, in their back row, which will bolster that. Um, and there's chat during the week about Quinn Rue as well, you know, uh, signing. So I think that's a really interesting proposition. But um, we'll wait until that's that's confirmed to, to give it any more thought. But I want to turn to you, Nathan, now. I'm going to look ahead a wee bit. And uh, the chat after the game was all about, well, we've got Leinster next. So uh, not sure how much the guys are looking forward to that. But uh, they certainly claim to be up for it and relishing the challenge, but realistically, I guess you might be uh, have a horse in this race, but do you think Ulster stand any chance of beating Leinster and progressing to the quarters? Before I answer that question, I, did, I didn't want to jump in because you guys were having such a good chat there about Jake, but if, if you're going to give me stick about the uh, <laughs> the results, I think I think I deserve some credit for saying Jacob was uh, was was not far away. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take all the credit there for Jacob Stockdale's performance on the weekend after <laughs> after the comments in the last few weeks. Uh, no, I'm gonna mess. And it's it's fantastic to see him back. I think everyone in Irish rugby is all the better for uh, seeing him putting in a performance. Just you know, if he can start getting turning that into try scoring displays, I think I think everyone's laughing, aren't they? Um, Re Leinster, look, that game's ten weeks away. We have no idea what condition Leinster or Ulster are going to be in after a Six Nations campaign. Like Leinster could lose half their starting side to injury. Ulster could lose Hendy if McCluskey plays against Wales and goes down, and is that, and that's him done for the year. You just you just don't know. Uh, these guys are going to play some incredibly intense rugby uh, for the next what seven eight weeks, and they finish up with a with a home match against England for, for that could you know for the title potentially. What I think that's two weeks before the the Ulster the Leinster match, so you know a lot of people could get ruled out there. So it's it's impossible to say right now. I think if the game's next week, uh, I think Leinster win by ten to fifteen. Um, but like I said, you know Ulster have got ten weeks to to prep for this now, as do as do Leinster, um, and both sides could be severely depleted by uh, by what whatever happens in the Six Nations. So it's it's very difficult to predict at this stage um toe to toe full strength full strength which is never the case these days I, I i think you know ulster can do something similar to what happened in 2018 but I, I don't think they'll be able to catch leinster on the hop like they did in that 2018 game in, in the viva whatever happens there's going to be lots of people traveling down from from belfast and beyond it's going to be 50,000 it's going to be sellout it's going to be a great night it's going to be a fantastic occasion which i think is is as much as leinster probably would have preferred to face montpellier um, it's for the new for fans. It's it's a better occasion, isn't it, for Ulster coming down? Um, the one thing I would say, re injuries is it was only whenever I was I was on, I was chatting to the Harpen on Rugby lads the other day. Um, you forget how many players Leinster are missing at the minute. Um, you know, there's no Henshaw, there's no Sexton, there's no Furlong. Uh, they're missing their two marquee overseas signings from the summer in Jenkins and and Natai. James Lowe is missing. And, you know, they still did what they did against Racing, however unconvincing they were for an hour. I, what other sides can withstand that level of, of uh, disruption? Which is why if there is Six Nations disruption, you know, you'd lean one way over the other, I think. But that, that's the only thought I'd have on that, to be honest. You know, if, 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 if Ulster are full choice and Leinster are missing probably those players, I think, I think Ulster will certainly fancy it, that's for sure. Yeah, well, people, uh, I suppose, are in typical sort of Irish fashion. People are talking down Ulster's chances, but I watched the game against Laura or sorry, against Racing, and they looked as you say quite, quite rightly. Leinster looked distinctly average for the, major, the majority of the first half and into the second half as well, and then they they kicked up the gears. But 
Like, I suppose rugby being rugby and sport being sport, anything can happen over the course of 80 minutes. And they all they need is a really bad half. Ulster could go ahead and you never know. And in the words of Kevin Keegan, I would love it if we beat them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating because I think what, one thing that Leinster are certainly better at this year is they're better at problem solving. So when Racing went after them at the breakdown and slowed up their ball, and kind of did a job in them at, at the scrum. They changed tack and they made, you know, and relied a lot more on first phase attack and got on the board. So they didn't do that last year necessarily. Um, I think their new attack coach, Andrew Goodman, is, has had a big impact there. So we'll see. We'll see. I think, you know, everyone think, will accept that Leinster will be favourites, but I cert- certainly think it's going to be um, a fantastic contest. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that away fixture going down the road. And hopefully, will you have, come down? Absolutely, absolutely. I'll do my Amazing. best to make it down, and half of Northern Ireland will hopefully uh, go down uh, as well. I, there may be limited tickets, just thinking of that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I bet it'll, it'll be a better atmosphere with that, with Ulster fans and Leinster fans in that stadium than it will be for Six Nations. We can guarantee that. Yeah, absolutely. All yeah. a bit of a class. We look forward to that. And um, I suppose, Ben, you've been an incredibly gracious guest on this episode and um, coming on and, and uh, dissecting the game, even though it's maybe not the most fun thing to do whenever your, your side have lost. But just to bring us up to speed, and look, I actually don't have that much. I, I can't follow the Premiership as much as I would like. Tell us about where does that loss leave Sale and where, where are they sitting now generally? What, what are your hopes for the rest of the season for Sale? Um, well, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't really disappointing, that uh, we're disappointed that we didn't go through. I would have loved to see us go to the quarter or semi-final, semi-final for the first time. But at the same time, I had mixed emotions watching the London Irish Montpellier game because I don't know if you're aware of the permutations, but if Irish won by more than 20 points, then we would not be in the Challenge Cup and we'd be out completely. But as it happened, they drew, so we go into the Challenge Cup. And part of me is excited that we could go for a run there, but part of me just thinks it's a distraction from the league where we are flying and we should really be focusing on getting a home semi-final and getting to the final, hopefully. But the, the way the season's going, it does feel like we've hit a peak and right now we're either plateauing or, or dipping. So we need a few people back from injury. But I'd also like to say that I do also really want to see you beat Leinster. <laughs> Good man, good man. (laughs) We appreciate that. I was going to wind you up there, but I'm not going to now about how great it is to be progressing in the Champions Cup. But (laughs) after your comments, I just can't do it. And I appreciate that. I really hope we beat Leinster as well. But uh, yeah, we'll have maybe a a live uh, Red Hand special following that game. Imagine Nathan will be there and covering it most likely, but um, maybe try and catch you. you going down to it, Paul? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, we've sure left down. Um, but but I, I want to say, as as we look ahead to the Stormers, do you think they'll play a weekend team? There's some chat they're going to do that and just sort of as a write off. But uh, second part of that question is, do you think they'll sort of win their next two? So we've got Stormers at home and then Glasgow away. What do you think? Oh, Stormers, if we lose on Friday night, that's goodbye to second place. I don't think we'd catch real Stormers on the fate. Uh, Leave I leave Belfast with the one. Just been looking at their travelling squad. It was announced yesterday. Um, we'll not get the see Stephen Kitts off, unfortunately. Not until will be November December before he hits Belfast. Him and Damien Willemays are out. But uh, they're 
they've come heavy, heavy loaded. Herschel Yantes, Clinton, from my pronunciation, some of these names, so I apologize in advance. So Clinton uh, Blumenthal's the fullback, Cornell Smith, um, Evan Roos, Brock Harris. There's still a lot of big names in that uh, traveling party. So hopefully, I think also came through a more physically demanding clash last weekend than Montpellier did, or, or against that, sorry, the Stormers did against uh, Tremont. So hopefully, uh, We've got a strong enough squad. We're going to be down a few guys, I suppose, of the Ireland call-ups. So it's not going to be an easy tie. That's it. Not 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 down uh, as many as many as Ulster fans would, would perhaps like. We it. probably thought, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's right. Like it'll be it'll be a tricky game. Like you say, a couple of big names missing, but a lot of big names still there, and uh, a couple of tough enough games. Glasgow away and Stormers at home um, could be could be tricky enough. But look, in the meantime, Ulster are officially back. Their uh, their losing streak is over. All is right with the world for a week at least, and. <laughs> Uh, we'll reassess that after after the game this Friday. But guys, thanks so much for your time. Um, thanks, Ben, for joining us and, and for Nathan and Paul as well. It was good chat. Thanks for having me. No problem. Cheers, guys. Hello, the Red Hand listeners. This is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We're just opposite the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street, where we've been since 1950. We, again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies. Tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids. And that can be seen in-store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon. And don't forget, shop local. Imagine a place free from gravity. Imagine a place free from all external stimulation. Where the only thing you can hear is your own heartbeat. A place where your physical and mental health can rest and recover. Where you can reconnect with your whole self. That place is Hydroease. Come and join us. You can find us at www.hydro-ease.co.uk.